It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Who's going to be first to the floor here? And it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. Welcome into another episode of First of the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Wayne Spoonie and Jake Eisenberg are both here. Spoonie, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going great, man. In news, absolutely no one but me cares about Everton. My soccer team beat Newcastle hey. United 3 nothing today. Hell it was yeah. a beautiful day <laughs> in the sports world. Yeah, let's go. Love to hear it. Jake, any uh, any other sporting wins to report? Um, No, no, no. It's all bad football-wise. I mean, the, I mean, like, I'm fighting for my life in one of the leagues. I'm in the, the playoffs for spending 24 hours at the Macca's Bowl officially. So that starts this week. Uh-huh. And I need to I need to win this week in my other league to make sure I don't have to face running a half marathon while also drinking uh, six beers while doing it. So, um, no, no, mostly bad for me this week. That's okay. <laughs> if you do have to do that marathon with the beers, uh, please capture something for the pod and, uh, oh, for our absolutely. content's sake. That sounds amazing. Uh, Godspeed, Jake. Um, the Pacers won just early, just before we went live, which I, if we want to talk about other sporting wins, is huge just as far as the seeding situation is concerned uh, for the Celtics. The Bucks were nipping at our heels a little bit there, so for them to cop a loss and have to take the long flight home from Vegas and mess with their sleep schedule and travel schedule is is good for us from a, a, a mild schadenfreude perspective. But look, for this one, the Celtics, they're 20 games into the season, which is classically that first stop during the season where you can zoom out and evaluate a team with large enough sample size. I guess the caveat being that this Celtics team that I think we're, we're all in agreement that they're still calibrating everything uh, with all the new personnel and thus are likely to improve uh, on where things are at now. Uh, but we're going to do it anyway. 20-game sample size. It's significant enough for us to dive into here. So here's the format, guys. One thing that's exceeded expectations, one thing that's met your expectations, and one thing that is keeping you up at night, having fallen brutally short of expectations. So we're going to apply this to the team level holistically and at the individual player level, level as well. So with that said, Spoonie, do you want to start us off? What has exceeded your expectations from the team level perspective? All right, we're starting off Mm. with maybe the most boring thing on the planet, (laughs) the rebounding. Okay. Um, So, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, fireworks, baby. (laughs) Let's go. Um, (laughs) We we got on here. We talked about how Rob's out the door, smart, great at boxing out, pretty solid defensive rebounder for a guard. Obviously, that's before... Rather, Smart's out the door before we get Drew, but then Rob out the door. KP, historically a bad defensive rebounder, especially for his abnormal size. Um, I, I think we were right. You know, Al Horford's another year older. We were right to be worried about the rebounding. They're third in the NBA in defensive rebounding percentage, and they're actually way better at offensive rebounding mm. this year too. I think they were 27th last year and they're all the way up to like 19th in offensive yeah, rebounding percentage. So we're third in overall rebounding percentage. Uh, last year we were ninth. Uh, so we're actually better at rebounding the ball this season than we were last year. And that's something that I was like legitimately concerned about. I mean, can you guys really remember, you know, we've had our crunch time struggles. Maybe we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> But uh, but can you guys remember like truly back breaking offensive rebounds we've given up in crunch time where it's like, oh, no, too straight. Like, I, I feel like we've been really, really great on the glass. And I think going in, I was pretty worried about it. It helps that PJ Tucker now is in the Western Conference. Yes. And now he can't, he can't secure these 
he's dumb. And he, it's what's funny. He's been on all of our rivals, the Bucks, then the Heat, and then the Sixers, and constantly grabbing these back-breaking offensive rebounds. Now he's completely out of the conference. I wonder how much the the PJ Tucker is is impacting these <laughs> these clutch uh, clutch rebounding. But yeah, dude, uh, I think it's a tr- just a team a team buy in, and I think it Porzingis clearly bought, bought in. I was I'm definitely um, impressed by his rebounding. But if I was going to assign one person responsible for the collective rebounding attribute boost, it's Al Horford, and this could be another Al Horford episode. But his buy in <laughs> on the boards. He's rebounding at a rate that he's never rebounded at before. And Tatum does it has and has been doing it, you know, last season as well. Horford doing something at 37 years old that you would think would take like an athleticism kind of boost, but he's just made it a focus of his game night to night and has had a legit impact on on the on the rest of the team. Yeah, I had resigned to the fact that we would never be an effective rebounding team ever again because it felt like for the better part of the last decade, it's been our Achilles heel. So uh, for that to be like a notable um, point of emphasis this year, yeah, I think it's fair to say that it's exceeded all of our expectations. Folks in the chat, let us know and let us know what's exceeded, met and fallen short of your expectations as well. Jake, uh, what's exceeded your expectations at a team level this year so far? At a team level? Um, The defense. The defense. I was not someone that thought I thought the defense was going to be good still, but I did not think that I was going to see a potential ceiling. Maybe not quite as I know the numbers indicate we maybe could be as good as that January that January to March stretch in twenty twenty two sacred stretch. Yeah, the healthy same. Rob stretch. Yeah, yeah. The, healthy, yeah the, the 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 chosen one stretch. But you know. Uh, Marcus slipped last year. Drew Holiday has been really good defensively. Jalen Brown defensively. I think the overall buy-in, the we've got to hang our hat on hat on defense. All those comments in the offseason, them actually carrying it into the regular season. And that's really been the thing that's gotten through this, gotten them through this offensive downturn, has been this consistent defense night tonight. That has been something that's surprised me because this it gives me confidence. Night to night, they're going to be in, be in every game. They've been blown out in one game. Technically, it was the, the magic game, but even that was more like a they stopped trying and the score line kind of got out of whack. There was actually a close game for the whole night. Having a really good defense is going to give you a chance to win every single night. And once the offense comes along, they should start to rattle off a bunch of wins. But man, the defense, across the board, house trap, JT, JB playing some of the best defense of his career. Pleasantly surprised by the defense this year. Yeah. yeah so I, I, oh, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. Oh, just quickly, I had the defense as well. So a few stats here. 108.2 points per 100 possessions per cleaning the glass. Good for second in the league uh, through these 20 games so far. You mentioned the defensive rebounding, but also a couple of stats here from cleaning the glass. Second in limiting opponent scoring in transition. Second in opponent field goal percentage at the rim. Fourth in opponent effective field goal percentage overall. Third in limiting opponent free throw attempts. So these are sort of like the calling cards, the hallmarks of a, of a good effective defense through and through. So, and I guess just zooming out the, the fluidity of the defense as well, like things like the timing of the help defense, those weak side rotations behind that help defense. Like we make excuses for the offense needing more time to get in sync given the new personnel. And yet the defense somehow is already on a string. So it's, it's good to see. And it's, and it's holding us up. Like, like you guys said, some of these poor shooting games. Yeah, so I, I a defense, I, I grabbed a couple Met expectations. I had the defense in Met expectations just because I thought it would be really good. It's probably okay. a little bit better than I expected, but I, I don't know if it's more, like totally exceeded expectations, but that's just because my expect personally, my expectations were really, really high. And yeah, I think the way Drew's fit is probably better than we could hope in these first 20 games. Like it's hard to learn to do defense and we play defense way different than the bucks do. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, then you look at like the bench guys like Pritchard, like, is he a plus defender? Absolutely not. But he gets in there. He's solid at the point of attack. Like he's heady. Um, same with Hauser, the house trap, baby. We talk about That's it all scary. the time. Like, and Cornette for his, many weaknesses is a solid rim protector and then like kp has just been so so good you know like we talk about sort of this lull in the celtics the last you know 
10 games. Well, KP's missed five of them. And I think we're just like, I'm like forgetting how truly impactful he was for those first 15 games. Um, So yeah, I, I, the defense has been absolutely awesome. So I, th- I think it's a great choice. Yeah, I yeah, think, I think it, it's going to be. Oh, I was going to say it's going to be. It's going to be really exciting. You know, when Rob was playing and the rebounding was be like, oh, I can't. Luke Cornett he's trying so hard, but he's just not Rob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, Luke Cornett's trying so hard, but he's not Porzingis, and yeah. it's going to be really exciting to get um, him back because Poz- uh, Luke Cornett over the past six games has been playing sixteen minutes per game, which is a lot for a Luke Cornett positive. I will. Admit. I think he might be <laughs> Luke Cornette neutral. That might be the the, the oh, video yes. game. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just, just on the defense before we move on, I think it's probably fair for a lot of people listening. Like it's probably wavering between or teetering between exceeding expectations and meeting expectations like it has for us on the pod here. For me, it's exceeded. I, I didn't think the defense would be bad necessarily, but second ranked overall has exceeded my expectations, especially considering, you know, like we've said, we lost Mar- like Marcus Smart. Robert Williams, even Malcolm Brogdon, who's like a lengthy, switchy guard. And obviously, we've got some personnel back. Drew Holiday, he is a good defender, but you can't tell me that we're all completely sold on how effective KP was going to be defensively, despite his lack of nimbleness and agility. So the fact that it's held strong at second ranked in the league through 20 games, I think is really promising. That was my exceeded as well. I've got a couple of honorable mentions, which I think we've all prepared in the case that we are overlapping each other here. <laughs> Team chemistry, I think, just for a completely non-statistical yeah. view of something that's exceeded expectations, specifically the Paul Zingas, Jalen Brown, Buddy Cop movie nice. that is continuing to play out in front of our eyes <laughs> is awesome. But then just uh, through and through, you know, when you let go of guys like Marcus Smart, you there's almost a, a sense of needing to scramble to like, fall in love with the team again so that the championship, if they do get there, really means as much to you as it possibly could. And I feel like there's a lot of guys, Porzingis as well, um, Cornette has risen back up to the top again as far as like some of the most likable players on the team. It's already, to me, a very likable team. And part of that is just how the chemistry is clearly playing out for these guys as well. Does it change your view or perspective on like, the importance or value of team chemistry, leadership, that kind of stuff, or does it just kind of speak to the guys that were left in the locker room, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, probably top of the list, the ability to maintain that level of culture and pausing is coming in and actually being like a really positive locker room guy as well. Because I, I definitely had concerns about their vibes on this team that, you know, pausing is definitely didn't have the reputation as a, Mm-hmm. As a vibes guy, he had the the opposite reputation, I think, uh, if anything, yeah. right? So, does that change your view on the importance of it, or is just the like people be underrating the the leadership skills of Horford Tatum? Or does it change your view on Marcus Smart? Maybe a little bit. Maybe it's kind of a breath don't, of fresh air that he's it. not in a lot. I like look. I don't want to ask the question Marcus. now. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, could we it- we love Marcus, but like maybe it was time, you know. <laughs> Yeah, not to mention Grant yeah. Williams. Uh, so oh, not true. mentioned yeah, well. because he wasn't a leader on this team, but uh, it's certainly a voice. A Is it a blessing and a curse in that the accommodating, uh, chill nature of our leaders like Al Horford and, and Tatum and Brown, great for a locker room vibe, great for galvanizing a team, but also in crunch time when, you know, we need some... Uh, like big balls dance for like the right, correct term wasn't coming to me. Someone to make the decision. That is the correct term. <laughs> Thank you. Some decisiveness <laughs> and leadership. We don't have that out there at the same time. So in that sense, I think it's a, it can be a good thing and a bad thing simultaneously. Um, yeah. Just a tiny, like we need just a tiny bit extra alpha at times. It feels like. But again, 20 games in and while it's a large enough sample size to have this conversation, maybe not enough time for the Jays to really fall into the groove of what their leadership potential could be. So um, let's let's circle back on that in another 20 game uh, time. Any other honorable mentions on Exceeded before we move to Met? I, I got a hot take maybe. Okay. Joe Missoula. Oh, hmm. nice. I, I, I just, I love what Missoula has been doing with the defense. I think like we talked about individually, all the players have been excellent on defense, but he has switched it up more than any coach, like more than Brad did, more than Ime did. And I think the roster allows him to do that more than some of those teams. And obviously, Udoka was blessed with the only time Robert Williams was actually healthy for any length of times. 
And Joe is credited for doing the switch with Rob Williams and making him the roamer. And I think we've just seen a lot of different things on defense that is just pure coaching. And basically all of it has worked except for that weird half court trap we did for like two games and it absolutely didn't work. And he (laughs) went away from it. Hey, so credit to him. Try some stuff early season uh, and then get out of there. Uh, So and I think he's done a really good job of managing the deep bench. Um where he's he's giving guys opportunities. It's Banton's opportunity now, but we saw Brissett earlier. We've seen some Lamar Stevens. Uh, he's he's trusted Peyton Pritchard to get out of that insane slump. And I feel like at, there's some coaches who would have pulled the hook earlier, but it's it's paid off. Peyton's been really good recently. So I, I think, look, maybe it's because the expectations for Joe were kind of low, but I feel like he's exceeded them so far this year. Yeah, I have coaching in Met, but I think that's because I was someone who was uh, high on the coaching bump coming into this season. I was someone who was like, people keep talking about how Joe got thrown into a, a bad situation and how it was going to be difficult for him to adapt, but they weren't actually adjusting their expectations for what they should have expected. And so, right. based on that, I was like really high on the, honestly, the Reddick, the Reddick pod really helped because we'll you never get these guys on full like conversations that yeah. outside of these like 10 minute press conferences that they don't want to be at. Um, but it was very clear that he was had reflected a lot and was like, I was bad a lot last year. And so I was confident that he couldn't be worse. I didn't even think he was that bad last year outside the playoffs, potentially. I knew he'd be better. And then you bring in the Cassell and the Charles Lee thing. I was like, the overall coaching bump, I was really in on. So I had a met expectations when it comes to coaching. Mm, okay, well, sliding into met expectations at a, at a team oh. level, new offensive tendencies or strategies. We we heard all about it with the the new assistant coaching staff. We knew that there was going to be a slight change in approach to you know particularly our offense and things like post ups, which are seven point five post up attempts per game at one point two one points per play per cleaning the glass last year. Just three point one post up possessions per game at one point per play so a notable difference in both the uh, efficiency and the frequency as well cuts per game we've got a 71.3 score frequency off cuts this season good for fourth in the league that was down uh to 65.6 score frequency at 17th last year so again a huge bump there there's a slight uptick in pick and roll possessions across the board uh i mentioned the new coaching staff um I guess sticking with the offensive strategy here, we're still shooting the most threes in the league. We've got a 44.2% uh, three-point shooting frequency across all of our, our shot diet. Um, yet we're only 16th in three-point shooting accuracy at 36.8%. But 15 and five guys, like most of our losses have been really close games despite some poor shooting. Yeah, the offense has been up and down, it feels like. But for me, the the post-up stuff has been the most encouraging when you when you mention um, the post-up numbers. That's something that we've been begging for for what feels like years, but really it was just the the one the one year last year. Yep. And for them to actually lean into it with Porzingis and Tatum has really given me confidence on what they can actually achieve in crunch time in the playoffs because Really, you you watch some of these, even if some of the in-season tournament games, even today, like being able to just do one thing that you're confident that you can get to at any point, late shot clock, and having, especially Tatum, really, but able to do something that you feel comfortable in and that can get the offense moving. Honestly, which, again, I, I, Tatum's doing it more, but it feels like it should still be more, especially the way that his shot diet's kind of playing out, but which I'm going to get to. But yeah, the, the, the post-up in, in particular, I feel like, again, for me, is meeting expectations because we really wanted it to see a massive uptick, which we've seen, but I feel like we can even still, still see more. Yeah, so I, this dovetails like perfectly into my met expectations, Ben, and that is the varied ways we're attacking the rim. Like last year, in, and really for the whole Jays career, it just felt like the only way we'd get to the rim is like in the Kemba days, it was like, please, Kemba, get to the rim and get the defense in rotation. Or please, Jason, get to the rim, get the defense in rotation. Um, And with the post-ups, with the cuts, with the pick and roll, and Tatum is like murdering people in isolation this year. Um, Like, I think it was uh, maybe NBA University had a tweet for like high volume ISO players, efficiency, 
and number of possession or percentage of their possessions. And Tatum was like way, 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 way in the top right corner, by far Mm -hmm. the most efficient isolation guy in the NBA for a high volume guy. So I think a big part of that is because he's attacking the defense in all these varied ways, like especially with the post-ups. Sometimes it's off the pick and roll off a switch. Sometimes it's straight up like get him in the high post, let him, you know, let him face up and then let him go to work. And it felt like his offense, especially last year, was pretty one note. It's either like get to the rim or shoot a three. And now he's operating in that mid-range game. He's operating in the post. um, And the whole team really takes on his identity, right? Because he's the best player. And they're all doing those things, right? And KP's been a huge part of this as well. Like, he's a guy you can kind of do a bunch of very different things with, especially getting to the rim or getting him, like, from that, like, eight-foot range where it's just not a lot of guys are efficient from there, but KP can basically dunk it from there because his arms are so long. (laughs) It's basically a layup for him. Um, So there's just, like, like, the paint touches just feel more impactful feel more deliberate this season and the games where they're not doing that stuff feels so um, like out of sorts. It feels so bad to lack of a better way to describe it. Yeah. Right. It feels so <laughs> it's very bad because uh, they've been so good at it. Yeah. 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 The, the approach is just to be clear is what has met expectations. I think for all of us, the right. execution and the wavering nature of that and the inconsistency around that execution. Uh, maybe we can mm-hmm. get to that in what's fallen short of expectations, but at least the approach to the game is uh, as advertised, I think, so far. And we've gone into seasons yeah. in seasons past being told things are going to be different this year. There's going to be new points of emphasis to address points of concern from previous years. And then it's just been the same old Celtics again. So while this team is far from perfect, we have seen a lot of steps in the right direction as far as that offensive approach. Jake, what else has met your expectations this year? The bench. I think the bench has met my mm. expectations. Mm-hmm. I did not think that the bench was going to be like Oklahoma City bench or New Orleans Pelicans bench. Some of these teams that can legitimately go like 10, 11, 12. Um, But I was confident in Al Horford, Sam Hauser, Penn Pritchard. Luke Cornette. The the part that's ish. been- Yeah, yeah, Luke Cornette. Uh, ish. Cornette Honestly, Luke Cornette has really come around- and the part what's been funny about this stretch, and I think the biggest reason why we're like actually staying afloat in this stretch is that our best player Tatum has kind of taken a downturn. But Luke Cornett's been much better over the past like six, seven games, especially since Corn- uh, Porzingis has gone down. Pritchard's kind of found himself. Hauser had a rough kind of like really was a rough four games. And since yep. then, he has been absolutely lights out. And I'm assuming he might find his way into to the individual exceeding expectations Mm -hmm. category. Um, Something that's been disappointing, but not necessarily a reason to put them into the not meeting expectations has been, I would have liked to have seen Lamar Stevens. And it's crazy to me that he's getting like, so it was O'Shea's, as you mentioned, O'Shea's crack. Now it's Banton's crack. I'm hoping Lamar Stevens gets a shot soon. I really wish that they would would give Walshy a shot if they were going to try this Banton stuff. I saw someone in the chat here being like, I like Banton in most aspects, but he can't shoot or finish at this level. Well, like, then what is the kind of the point then? Because um, <laughs> yeah. we have other guys that are better at some of the other aspects that um, he's kind of he's doing. Like, if he's not going to be handling the ball, which he's not, which he really shouldn't be because there's going to be a bunch of better ball handlers anyway. Mm-hmm. Why not go to someone like Lamar Stevens, who is a legitimately excellent, legitimately good defender, and someone who can offensive rebound. And honestly, he's probably a better offensive player than Banton at this point. But man, Walshy? I don't know why they wouldn't why try, try Walshy in these weird Banton minutes. I just don't think he would be worse at all. I think he might be worse. As much as I, I love Walshy, you know, he he has had a bit of a deer. I mean, he's a rookie drafted in the second round. And while he's got, uh, you know, he's got that tenacity, he clearly has good defensive instincts. We saw in was it the preseason when he got some court time. He still looked pretty lost from a from a team defensive scheme standpoint. And we're we're trying to win these games. Like it is a little close up the top in the Eastern Conference standings. So I don't know if we're into that <gasps> phase of like Joe's season long experimentation yet. 
But what's Banton doing there while she can't do? Well, he's like I a dribble. It, yeah, dribble, <laughs> dribble, defend, switch. I don't know. Rebound a little bit. And he's still, I maintain, he's theoretically the best player in the NBA. So we've got to at least let that play out to some degree. At least with Lamar, we know what we've got, right? Let's let's try and find out what we might have with Delano Banton before, we, before we pull the pin. But you're saying a lot of, if, if we just cut, let's see what we might have with Delano Banton. Let's see what we might have. Which one, Ross? Sure. I think I, I think Joe like really values the fact that Banton can like dribble Actually, the ball yeah, sure. and like play off like play his style of offense. We're like Walsh is just gonna sit in the corner and hope he makes a three, right? Like he's not gonna be doing like the handoff stuff. Like yeah. Ban gets involved a little bit. Oh you know? man, come and on, guys! <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, a little bit. Okay, okay. Sure. First, he must fail in order to learn to succeed. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, also we're trying to win a championship. Uh, anything? Any honorable mentions for met expectations before we fall onto the the sullen category of what's fallen short? I had um, the defense, so we already covered that. Jake, yeah, what's I'm falling short expectation-wise for yourself? It has, it has been the offense for me. I know the approach has been there, but at the same time, it just- Actually, no. Pa- which is more even more micro in there, but the pace has- mm. I feel like the pace is up a little bit still, uh, but I just don't understand why they don't play faster. And again, I'm going to get to someone who I think- whose fault this is, but overall, they need to play faster. They have so much athleticism on the court with their two best players and guys like Derek White, Andrew Holiday, they can just grab the ball and go. And then you've got trail, you can, you can shoot trail threes with Horford and Porzingis. Like you see what the Pacers are doing. And obviously like they're playing so fast. I'm not sure they want to do that, but you can kind of rig the system to increase your, ability on offense like your efficiency on offense you're either getting more shots up you're catching teams on their heels more often and because their defense is better than the paces they're actually getting stops and able to get out and run and semi-transition a bit more the pace of the team to me at times i felt early as well in the first like 10 games yeah i got some pace stats coming up for tatum in a bit we'll get there <laughs> yeah but uh but the pace the pace and i'm sure i so just play faster, everybody, please. Is that what Joe likes about Banton? Because he can grab the ball and he can go. Sure. I mean, that's one thing he brings his pace. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Like, and what's so frustrating is when they do play fast, they look so good yeah. too. You know what I mean? And uh, like, just why is this not a regular part of the team? And I don't think it's coaching because you'll often see yeah. Joe be like, go, Dude. go. Go, what are you doing? Joe, Brad, Eme, just like, yeah. how many the guys? baseman, come around, you're can scoring. We, can we get a couple of third base coaches in? On, <laughs> put them on opposite baselines and sidelines. Just get more guys out there. I know, it, it just doesn't make sense. And like, you can still get into your more intentional, slower sets mm-hmm. if there's nothing there. Yeah. It's not like you're conceding like, oh, we went fast, so now we can't post up Porzingis. Like, not how basketball works. You just have more time to try that. So it makes no sense. That's a great one. What do you got, Spinny? I've got the three-point shooting. Mm. Outside of Sa- – if you remove Sam Hauser, who is shooting like 45% from three one from million. the equation – they are shooting 34.5% from three as a team, which is equivalent to the Detroit Pistons, oh, who are 24th <laughs> in the NBA. Is a non-Sam Hauser Boston Celtics the Detroit Pistons of shooting with Jason Tatum, <laughs> Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Kristaps Porzingis, Derek White, Drew Holiday. Actually, Derek's shooting 39%, so he could probably, you know, he's excused as well. But like Pritchard shooting like 31, 32 percent, like they just can't shoot how many games like I would say four of their losses. If they shoot 33 percent from three, they win those games, which is like incredibly frustrating. And then it just feels like they don't have many of those games where like, oh, we shot the lights out and this is a blowout. And I I think there's going to be some regression to the positive here for them. Um, But First of all, Tatum just needs to cut out two pull-ups. Yep. And I, I know we'll it's get to that, up. Jake. But he's just <laughs> he's just gotta cut that shit out. And like, dude, what happened to Jalen Jalen's three-point shot? Like it's just gone. He just can't make them. 
And he's too good. He's been making them for too long for this to be the real Jalen Brown. So I just like the shooting is so frustrating. It'll come back, I'm sure. But man, it's tough to watch. He needs to cut out a couple. He needs to cut out the pull-ups as well. Because I was looking at it. He's he's still shooting 36% on catch and shoot threes, which is not awesome. Fine. But but that's exactly, absolutely, totally fine. Yeah. Him. And then that's why the overall percentage is down as well. Because Jalen takes a bunch of them. And Tatum's is slowly coming back down. But, you know, he's still at 35.7%. That's kind of uh, a place that we were kind of happy with. The main two guys, it's Pritchard and Porzingis. Like, Porzingis has been, like, consistently a 38, 39, 40% three-point shooter for most of his career. And Pritchard, that's one I was confident in was going to come around. And he's definitely been better lately. But then I, I filtered it down to, like, the last six games. He, had, he was 0 for 5 in the, in the Pacers game. And that's like a game where we, we just really needed someone to, to show up mm-hmm. there. And then, you, like, he's, you know, last six games, he's, he's back to 33% once you include the Pacers game. He really needs to hit shots. I understand. And that was why we were singing his praises there for a couple games because he keeps doing little things. But he, like, his entire existence about being a truly impactful guy off the bench comes from being a legitimate spacer and a legitimate knockdown guy. Do you think that the poor three-point shooting is at least partially a symptom of the team not being on the same page offensively? Because this is wild speculation, but like three-point shooting confidence is a huge factor. We've talked about it with Peyton Pritchard all season. Like you need to, and really this applies at like any level of basketball. You you truly need to believe that your shot is going in for (laughs) it to have any chance of going in. And guys like Jalen Brown, for example, do you think maybe he's putting up a shot and thinking, oh shit, like maybe I should have passed this ball. You know, maybe I should have dribbled and got to the rim. Like, and th- that lack of certainty as to whether or not he should be taking that shot, again, wild speculation, is actually contributing to the, the dip in shooting percentage? Or am I completely yeah. off my head here? No, like, <laughs> Eric, Weiss is, Eric Weiss is good. Like, I'm breaking my own rule here and I'm reacting <laughs> to the short sample size when it comes to three point shooting. Absolutely. Um, but, I, but I do actually think you're onto something. Ben, maybe not with Pritchard because I think he's actually getting clean looks. Porzingis, on the other hand, I was actually watching um, a clip from our uh, Bucks Celtics playback room because I'm cutting together some stuff for the Celtics blog launch. Cool. And we're watching the Jalen Brown Porzingis highlights. And Jalen hits him just like in the shooting pocket. And I feel like so much of Porzingis's pick and pops this year, they're just a tick late or a tick off, mm. all of them. And I honestly think that's contributing – to his three-point percentage. He's just not getting clean passes and clean looks. It's like because he's seven foot three, people aren't as focused on giving him good looks. And the same thing was happening to Al. And then all of a sudden, I've he's getting cleaner passes, more open looks. And shockingly, he starts knocking more shots down. So I actually do think that it is part of it is just being like 10 to 20% more crisp on offense. And then bang, all of a sudden, Porzingis is going to go on a, go on a run and we're going to be blowing teams out again. Yeah. Rel- yeah. And go ahead, Spitz. Uh, I, I was just going to say, yeah, I think there's absolutely something to do that, Ben, because we're shooting 41% on wide open threes. Mm-hmm. But if you take out Hauser, who's shooting 60% on <laughs> oh, wide open threes, <laughs> That's uh, that drops into like the mid 30s, right? So, like, this team is not bad at shooting wide open threes i think it is like they're just uncomfortable and jake yeah we've been complaining about like the bad passes to porzingis he's gotta like reach up grab it it's like these are not hard passes like come on he's pick and pop he's wide open lets the defender come over um and like the kickouts to the corner always just feel like they're at the shoelaces or the guy's gotta jump and it's just yeah I, i think it comes down to just not being comfortable on offense yeah, I think they will figure it out, though. I am I am confident about that. And speaking of confidence, for falling short of expectations, and then we'll get to an ad break here, I had the bad habits. And, you know, I talked mm-hmm. a moment ago about how we go into seasons with, like, promises about how, not this year, guys, we're going to resolve all of those <laughs> annoying, fucking, super frustrating issues. And then this year, <laughs> difficulty holding a large lead, lackluster third quarters, sometimes lackluster fourth quarters, crunch time execution issues even in like that first game against the knicks where they executed in crunch time you're like boom they nailed it they've solved this problem they can now execute in crunch time well they can't at least not (laughs) consistently and then just the jays not leading us in these scenarios which again we touched on i guess like my fall in short is like an aggregation of a lot of the things that we just talked about in the last five minutes um and just like the jays 
not calling a play, but just like going into isolation. Uh, we saw it late in the the quarterfinal there against the Pacers. Um, these are glaring habitual problems that you know we we get glimmers of hope are going to be resolved at the beginning of each season, and then as it plays out, and as we get to a larger sample size here, we see that it's still a problem. The good news is that they've got another sixty two games to figure it out. Um, but historically, we I don't have a lot of confidence that they will. What do you guys think? I think there's a pretty good chance we're screaming into the heavens come playoff time um, about some of these things popping up again. And that does not mean that they cannot win the title. Plenty of flawed teams have won the title, but I just, I, it just makes, I, I can't see them truly ridding themselves of a bunch of these issues this season. I, I don't know. I can't do it. I've just been burned too many times. <laughs> I will say the stupid fucking turnovers are absolutely yeah. unexplainably maddening, mm-hmm. and I do not get it at all at times. But the crunch time, I think if you look at when we failed in crunch time and Porzingis has played, we have been generating good Shot. shots off of decent stuff. It's really been these last few games where KP hasn't played that it's grinded down to our old bad habits like so i I will steal something jake said the solution is on the roster i I think kp really is the solution to that disgusting grindy shit crunch time offense but like yeah man they just still tatum just like oh just dribble into two guys and see what happens jalen like jalen i think recently has kind of cleaned up his act with the turnovers and the dumb stuff but still like that knicks game the reason we almost lost is because jalen like passed it to the knicks that was good we executed yeah and then we executed you can at least tell that jalen is trying and yes, is exactly. That, I think that's maybe the biggest difference between them both right now. It's like at least you can tell Jalen has bought in defensively and is trying to work on the like the passing and the turnovers. Whereas Tatum yep. does not really feel like he's made a good focus so far. <laughs> How's that for exceeded he's expectations at all? <laughs> Jalen Brown is trying. Yeah. He's exceded my expectations yeah. thoroughly. All right, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Fangio, and then come back and go through the expectations cycle again from an individual player perspective. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And now back to the show. I got one. Uh, I obviously missed on the bar- on the, the Knicks Bucks <laughs> one. Um, I will say the Bucks shot sixty percent from three. The Knicks actually kept it pretty yep. close for a lot of the game. Uh, there's not a lot you could do with that one. Now the Celtics play the Bucks at home. I believe we're still undefeated at home. Knicks uh, underdogs six and a half points. I saw Josh Hart retweet um, the idea now that the the Knicks have to play the Celtics a fifth time. Uh, and on the road, and his his quote was, "Have to love the IST." Is that a winner's mentality? I don't think so. Big time loser mentality. Big time loser mentality. But also, <laughs> they have to have, have to go on on the road to play the Bucks. Now have to go on the road to play the Celtics. I do think Celtics minus six and a half, and I've been pretty on with the Celtics so far. I I bet on the Pacers to win. Mm. Unfortunately, they are good. Um, yeah, obviously that is. Beat the Bucks. Oh, by the way, how tilting is it that the Pacers won, by the way, but 21% from three? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, we don't recognize on this show the tournament in which they, they did that in there, so it, it means nothing to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but also, I was just going to say, while I'm here, um, we've kind of teased it, but the and a bunch of you have been in this the first of the floor playback room um, at times. It's been awesome. But Celtics blog 
is partnering with Playback and launching like a big, doing a big partnership. And the three of us are going to be on this Playback room um, a bunch, but we we are able to offer some VIP passes and which basically means um, you will get a, like free reign access and you won't have any of the games blacked out. This VIP pass is for free. Um, I've given the, the pass to a few people in the chat here already, but if you would like one, you see all the um, all the tags in the middle of the screen here, either DM me at Jake Eisenberg or first of the floor on Twitter or Instagram if you would like one and I'll get you set up and you basically get a free access to playback and any, not just our room, but any room, which means you'll be able to watch any NBA game for the most part um, for free, uh, no matter what, if whether it's like in market or out of market. So yeah, big things happening and we'll hope you guys join along. The first game's going to be the Cavs game and myself, Spoonie and Ben are going to be the people launching the partnership with Celtics Blog and Playback. Very exciting. Yes, DM me if you want or ask if you want a VIP pass. Yeah, it's an awesome, awesome partnership there between Celtics Blog and, and Playback. We have had so much fun on Playback for a couple of years now. So to see other, yeah. you know, larger entities buying into that and then putting a guy like Jake in charge as well, which is just awesome. <laughs> and I know Jake, you're going to do an amazing job at it. Um, and the, those VIP passes uh, are nothing to shake a stick at. So um, get involved while you can, while they're available. Uh, also, yeah, while putting you're here- me in charge. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. Good luck, Playback. Genius. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, look, uh, also while we're promoting things, subscribe to the first of the for YouTube channel as well like uh, helps us with the algorithm helps put our content in front of more people and when we reach out to potential guests and things like that things like numbers viewer numbers and subscriber numbers really help allure guests who otherwise might not want to come on a show uh, this small so um, subscribe and if you're on the first of the four YouTube channel head over to the CLNS channel and, and do the same thing all right players Spoonie that have or player rather that has exceeded your expectations most who you got all right I've got two and I, I think that they're pro- I don't know. I feel like we're going to have significant overlap here. So I'm going to just going to steal the obvious one. I think it's Sam Hauser. Ah, you got me. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I know. Wait, oh, did, yeah. did you both I'm have sure him? I'm sure. That was yes. number one. Yeah, yeah, you go there. Okay, okay. No, yeah, that's good. I, I will we're, go. We're I running have over a... time anyway, so this is, this is good. Hauser. Right. Hauser. Dude, he's shooting 60% on wide open threes. Yeah. Like, the defense has been totally fine, just like last year. I think it was legitimate concern that teams would figure him out. They haven't. They still just try to attack him in isolation, and he's he's fine. Um, we haven't really seen his game, like the dribble drive game, really like flower much this year, which is a bizarre metaphor, but I'm going with it. <laughs> um, but he's developed a more um, diverse, I think, jump shot. Like he's, he, you know, I keep comparing comparing him to Kyle Korver. I think there's something there. Like he's getting the one dribble. Um, pump fake one dribble pull-ups like he's just been money he saved us in game so sam hauser i think's the obvious one here absolutely dude 45 percent from three on the year like on 6.3 attempts he is crazy he is just born to be a shooter like they're very like it's so funny that we drafted and obviously it's great to see neesmith doing really well um for the paces kind of really it feels good and also bittersweet but also, like, we drafted him specifically to be come in and be the shooter guy, and to find Hauser. Finally, we're a team that's find that's found one of these guys. Suck it, like, he yeah, suck yes. it. Like, <laughs> he's ours. This, un, this undrafted <laughs> guy that is on this ridiculous contract that is absolutely the seventh most important player on this roster, and like would be untouchable in a like a like a low tier trade. Like you're not moving Hauser in a Caruso trade. You're like he has become a dude that how many minutes has he been playing this year? Like he's he's playing 23 minutes a game. That's all that's only more than I had him build for. I thought he might get up to the 20 mark, but he has been a catalyst for keeping the team in games. He's blown leads out. He is all you could ask for in like in his role, like 45% from three, like every time he gets a wide open shot, I mean, like, honestly, it feels like those go in less, but he apparently is shooting 60% on wide yep. open ones. <laughs> yeah. But man, some of the, like the, the quick release and also I think it's only going to get more, um, more obvious, but the way teams have to guard him and start to like translate the way that they, they're game planning for the Celtics, they're going to become more or less willing to leave him open and, and, and less willing to assign more resources to slowing down Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, these guys, because 
he's just an, such an easy outlet. And now, you know, yeah, you haven't seen the dribble drive stuff quite as much, but I think that will start to come more as teams become less willing to leave him open because once they um, are closing out harder, they're closer on these closeouts, that's going to start to open up the dribble drive stuff. But yeah, man, I mean, it's a house party. Well, house trap as well, defensively, yeah, limiting, <laughs> limiting opponents to 47.2% from the field, which is pretty insane, like given his role and that he's not typically considered a, a 3 and D guy. That's that's pretty effective, for, you know, given what our expectations are or the league's clearly expectations are of him, given that they, up until I think pretty recently, have relentlessly been going at him uh, in games. Has Sam Hauser been better this year than Grant Williams was last year? No yes. question. Absolutely no question. On both Not ends. Not close. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. And Mavs fans starting to get a little taste. Of, yeah. yeah I see on. some tweets. I, I some tweets. <laughs> yeah. The, um, when he's not shooting 57% from three. Yeah. Things, uh, things look a little bit different. His, I mean. His defense <laughs> just fell apart, dude. Like, yeah, what man, happened? I, I don't know. And if, I wonder if I can pull it up quickly here. But I know, like, one of my big arguments for playing Sam Hauser over- Grant Williams was just the volume of threes that that Hauser's able to get up because he doesn't have to be open. So Hauser has shot 126 three pointers this year, and Grant Williams has shot 106 uh, minutes wise, 547 versus because Grant's a starter for them, and oh, yeah. Hauser's played a 458, so like almost 100 less minutes and gotten up 20 plus more threes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just it's just a completely different weapon. Yeah, he's amazing. I love him. So, uh, unsurprisingly, he has uh, exceeded all of our expectations. So, we all had Sam Hauser. Honorable mentions here, Derek White, who is the plus-minus darling on this team at a plus 14.1. Leaps and bounds ahead of anyone else. He's also, per cleaning the glass, uh, plus 28 in expected win total, which is insane and way higher than anybody else. Other honorable mentions, I'd say Pritchard. What is Pritchard. that stat? I don't understand that stat. He's... I think it's just like an aggregate of all the positive things. And it's maybe just another way of looking at um, on off, like plus minus. Like, this is clearly how amazing Derek White is. Also, honorable mention for exceeded expectations. We've touched on it. Chris Porzingis. Like, he has exceeded expectations, right? Even the injury, touch wood, like, you know, took a week off. Not so bad. Uh, he's back again quite quickly. And I just think as far as what he offers defensively and his unlocking of the offense, I just don't know if everyone expected him to be as good a, good a fit as he has been. Yeah, I think pausing this is a good good choice. He's exceeded my expectations. He, he even timed his injury well. He timed it in a nice little like spacious yeah. uh, section. He's only going to miss four games when really it was probably more like a seven-game absence, which just is good for the agenda in general. And also, he's just going to be available for, for more games. Missing four games? Nothing. Including hugely unimportant in-season tournament games as well. So, that's, that's right. great. Spoonie, you look like you've got something to offer on the contrary here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if if we're moving on, I have Chris Stapps as my Met expectations. Okay, let's go there. He's fucking awesome, yeah. dude. Yeah. And he's been fucking awesome for the Celtics. Like, okay. yeah, he's really goddamn good. Like, his defensive, like, his rim protection numbers are the exact same as last year. He's been more efficient, but scoring less, which makes sense. Like, if you put a really fucking awesome player in a smaller role, he's probably going to be more efficient, obviously going to score a little less. So, I got KP as my Met expectations guy because, like, He's really he's an all star, guys. Come on. Well, I didn't. Did you? Did you? Did you if he makes the all star team. Would you have said he's he's going to be an all star? No, I wouldn't have. So that's fair. No, I get it. I understand. Yeah, I think it's fair to have him in exceeded expectations. But I think we all expected a lot from him, sure. right? And he, he's he's met the high, high, high expectations. I think that's fair. For for Met expectations, I have Jalen Brown. I'm sorry to say that Jalen Brown's performance has met my expe- expectations in that <laughs> at his best, yeah. fans are saying he might be the best player on the team, although not so much this year just because of how generally good Tatum has been. But, you know, at his best this year, he's added this new element of like trying to play the game the right way and has looked incredible in doing so and, and trying to become a playmaker and trying to be a guy who can lead a second unit, although um, doing it 
inconsistently. And it's the inconsistency that has met my expectations in that like, yes, he looks great for some stretches, but he looks really, really bad for even longer stretches. And there's nothing really in between, it seems. There's not like a happy medium of Jalen Brown just chipping away and being consistently slightly positive. It seems like he's either great or he's terrible. And all of the advanced stats, I mentioned expected win total, minus 17 on the season for Jalen Brown thus far, and a minus 10.8 overall, uh, 10.8 rather, as far as his on-off numbers are concerned. So it's the inconsistency that has unfortunately met my expectations. I'd love to see him sort of find a consistent way to contribute. Oh, interesting. So this is met expectations because this is exactly what I had was that he met ex- my, my expectations, but like because my expectations weren't kind of bad. Yeah, or exactly. Well, just I, that. Yeah, I had he a feeling a that lot. it was gonna. Yeah, and man, I'm like, he's dropped below seventy percent from the free throw line now, as well. It's just across. What's what's frustrating is it like the the defense is the best it's been in years. I think that's pretty clear and obvious, and a big reason why the defense overall has exceeded my expectations. Because him ra- raising that level um, has been really impactful. But, like, similar to Pritchard, obviously different and more important, but he needs to make shots. And he's, like, that's his, that's how he made second-team All-NBA. Even the three-point shot wasn't awesome last year, but he was, like, close to 50%. He was at least, like, 73% from the free-throw line. Just the overall efficiency scoring numbers aren't good enough, but- at the same time, I just had I had a feeling that we were going to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's fair on Jalen. It frankly, if you were just looking at his offensive numbers, like the raw, like true shooting stuff, like that, you'd probably say he's below expectations. But when you take into um, when you take into account the context of how he's trying to find his role on the team, and Jake, like you said, the defense, and like he's boxing out a ton, which is like something he's never done his entire career. Like I feel like he's dedicated himself. He must be spending a lot of time with Derek White because he's doing a lot of the little things. Um, so I I do think he's met expectations, but maybe in like the way we didn't expect in some in, uh, maybe offensively it's the way we expected because it's just kind of looked kind of weird at times. But um. Um, yeah, man, just like start making some jump shots for the love of God, Jalen. <laughs> and then he'll be like, he'll yeah. be really buzzing if he starts yeah. like the three starts going down a little bit. He'll really have a nice season on his hands. Yeah, yeah. He has looked Absolutely. great, but I know it sounds corny <laughs> to say it's kind of cliche, but the only thing that's been consistent is the inconsistency. So hopefully you can get <laughs> yeah. a, a handle on that. Yep. Fall and short of expectations player wise. I'll start. I think maybe at least one of you might have this as well. Drew Holiday. Defense. Great. Offense, not so great. Pretty inconsistent to stick with the inconsistency theme there. Surprisingly poor decision-making. And now if you if you go and look through Bucks Reddit from a year ago, it's not a surprise to like, you know, people who are well-studied and have sure. studied the ancient scrolls on, on Drew Holiday. I had not read the tablets. And uh, so it was a surprise <laughs> to me how inconsistent he can be and how um, much poor decision-making he can exhibit on offense. Um, what do you guys think? Drew Holiday falling short? He, so I knew about the I had read the tablets, but so that was baked into my expectations. But he's also fallen short of my expectations because he doesn't need to be a decision maker on this team. That's kind of the whole point: is that his perfect role should be on this team, where it's Tatum and Derek White as your main decision makers, with with Porzingis being heavily involved, and then Drew Holiday filling in the gaps. And honestly, I actually feel like that's mostly been his role. His usage is down. Like pretty significantly relative to last year, twenty four percent to seventeen percent this year. But the career, like career low true shooting, like fifty two percent, is so 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 bad. Now, twenty games in, that's like a tw- it's we're early days, early days. That's um, the fourth game in an NFL season where pretty much you just don't count the first four games in the NFL because things are still like yet to even out. And to quote the great. Michael Wayne Spoonie. Um, <laughs> we have to. We might have to wait till Christmas to to. And we're we're actually not, we're like we're getting there, but we're like we're still another three weeks away. Like that's a lot of basketball still. They've had some time to practice with this little mini break. It's definitely still plenty of time um, for for Drew to fight to, to get more comfortable. Or it could just be as simple as some of these like layups aren't going in right now, and I feel like he'll like just make more layups. Yeah, I, I've got those stats. He shot 
percent in the restricted area last year. He's at fifty six percent this season. So there's two ways of looking at that. I think like one way is like that'll come up. Obviously, yeah. he's been a great finisher his entire career. The other way is he's thirty three years old. Should we be concerned? Because that's kind of the first thing that goes for guards is like the finishing at the rim. But he's not Kemba, you know, he's not Damon Stoudemire. He's not Brandon Jennings. Uh, Like, he's he's big. Yeah, he's certainly not. (laughs) Yeah, he's an actual human being that is not (laughs) any of those three people. Um, Like, he's six foot five. You know, you got to think the rim finishing will come back a little bit. And he's missed some absolute bunnies that... He just has no business missing. So if that comes back up to the low 60s, I think that true shooting is going to come up. Things will start looking a lot better for him offensively because there was against Indiana. Like the nice thing about Drew is you just throw it to him on the post. They send a double. Mm -hmm. He's making plays out of it. Um, So I but yeah, I I think he's very clearly not met the expectations like flat out 100 percent. Anyone not have Drew for falling short player wise? Yes. I had yeah, that was a layup my, <laughs> my guy, our guy, Jason Tatum. And mm. I have a lot of notes here, a lot of stats here, but I think simply the thing that's been frustrating has been he has the skills. The thing that we really wanted was the was the post up and the bully ball stuff. We're seeing the post up stuff, we're seeing the mid ranges take a tick up. Um but we're still not quite seeing the mentality that it really takes to jump up a level. And so Tatum's taking 19.5 field goal attempts per game. The highest um, amount of his attempts are coming from the restricted area. That's good. 5.9 attempts from the restricted area, 74.6% in the restricted area. That's incredible. That's like 90 plus percentile for like a wing, higher for a wing. Um, The problem is the 5.6 pull-up threes per game. Like you look at the volume of three point of pull up three point shooters. It's, it's a disaster. Um, there are 22 players in the NBA that are taking three or more pull up threes per game. Tatum is dead last. If you open it up to two or more per game, he's 47th out of 51 side note, Malcolm Brogdon's taking 2.4 per game at 27.8%. Yeah. That, that, uh, pull up shooting, uh, season he had last year may have been an aberration. Well, um, but yeah, but like if you filter out to guys that are taking four or five attempts per game, Tatum is so aggressively last in percentage yeah. again <laughs> at, at 29.5%. Like the next lowest is 35%. He's so far yeah. behind. But then catch and shoot three is 2.8, 45.5%. So he knows how to shoot. Frustratingly, the, the free throw numbers are down to like 79.9%. I think that's an outlier that that'll, that'll come back. We've got much too much of a sample size. Sure. But I think maybe speaks to his overall focus. Like, just lock in and make your free throws, dude. Mid-range, up. Taking 3.2 per game, 50.8%. That's, like, some of the best in the league on the volume that he's taking. Like, that looks like it's become an actual new weapon, which is great. And then he's 35.1% on 1.9 non-restricted area, which means his floater still sucks, which we knew. But, he does, but he's not using that, which is fine. The, the, the pull-ups, they have to stop. They have to stop. They have to stop. Spoonie? Yeah. I mean, I don't have a ton to <laughs> yeah, add. I feel the same and way. And like, what's frustrating is yeah, like the the stuff we wanted from him, like the deeper mid range, he's up around like fifty percent from the deep mid range stuff, which is such such a weapon for a guy like him at his size and the varied ways he can get to those types of shots. The rim stuff, like, and then it's like, dude, he just seems like he doesn't care, and like goes back to the pace, like yet again walking the ball up, like not moving the ball, like not making quick decisions. And we know he can do it because there's times when he's like, I want to win this game. So I'm going to be the best version of Jason Tatum. So, I mean, it's a long season. I get it. But good God, he's been frustrating this year. So I just have some more. And like, it got bad once I started looking at into it even more. So this is the, the maybe the most damning. So do you guys want to guess who moves? I don't even know you could look this up. Who moves at the average Average lowest speed on a basketball court. LeBron. Close. He's third last. Jokic. Right. No, he, he's he's like pretty low. Embiid is the lowest. Okay. Fair. Embiid okay. is the lowest. Jason Tatum is second last out of all players that are playing. That's insane. That's that are playing 30 <laughs> minutes per game. There's 97 players that are playing 
30 minutes or more, is second last. It's Embiid, Tatum, LeBron right there. And like, what, like, Giannis is 18th. So, by the way, so it's 3.84 miles per hour. Like, all these numbers are close together. But the average lowest speed for average speed for Tatum is coming down every year. 2021, 3.97 miles per hour. 21, 22, 3.83, 3.76. His career low, 3.63. And as you said, Spinny, we know he can do it. it. And then drive numbers, he's 69th in the league uh, in drives per game. And he's shooting 62% on drives, which is really, really fucking good. Incredible. But, like yeah. Giannis is second in the league at 65% on drives. LeBron first at 66. And he's only driving 8.7 times per game. SGA is driving 20 times per game. Yeah. Well, he can't shoot. Go, so. <laughs> go, drive, go. Attack. Attack. And the ISO numbers are like, obviously nobody can guard him because mm-hmm. the ISO numbers are crazy when he drives. Like, I don't know. It's interesting go. you say that his, his overall, like, was it pace or speed that he's like uh, yeah. running at is going down gradually each season. Uh, and I wonder if that's because yeah, again, I'm, I'm entering into wild speculation mode again. Like every year, like being too fatigued uh, and, and just tired when it comes to the later rounds of the playoffs becomes a factor. You can say the same for Embiid as well. Uh, is that, you know, and I think that if you ask Jason Tatum about this, wouldn't he maybe respond saying, well, dude, we're 15 and five, like, what do you want? Yeah. And we've talked about the fact that he could be coasting as well. Do you think that these are just signs of that? That it's it's an approach to a long season, needs to have a gradual approach on picking his spots and where to be most effective this affected rather and when? And is this latest stretch where we've still for the most part been winning games, albeit in disappointing, underwhelming fashion? Is it fair to say, again, speculatively, that maybe he's just coasting? So I actually don't mind that he's coasting because I agree that he's coasting, but he needs to be better at coasting. So LeBron James is right there, right? He is so good at coasting. Like he's so like he if he's gonna do something, he just does it. Or he's just or he moves he's he moves off the ball or he's literally doing nothing. When he is when he does have the ball, he's decisive. He's like, I'm if I'm going, I'm going. Don't do the thing where you you're dancing and going slow because and then because that just practice being decisive. And then when you're not being decisive, just like post up, move the ball, and because that you then you're you're standing still. Like he he needs to be better at coasting, and maybe he'll get. He's still a young man. Um, LeBron didn't figure out how to like be really good at coasting until he needed to later in his career. Um, he needs to be better at coasting if he's going to coast. Yeah, sit, you want to sit in the corner for three straight possessions and just space the floor? Totally fine. You get the ball. Do something with yeah. it, for the love of God. Well, yeah, I think he wants to have his cake and eat it too. I think that these yeah. these yeah. pull-up threes, it's a product of laziness. Like he still wants to be the guy. He still wants to control the offense and mm-hmm. have a high usage rate, but he also wants to not put his head and shoulders down and drive, and that's where I think a lot of these pull-up threes are coming from. Although, historically, he's always you know been jacking those up at a high volume. I think the other thing is like, we kind of almost need him to be 27 right now where where this team's at as far as their title winning expectations and where the roster's at and that we're going to have to move off some salary in a year or two. He's 25. Like, I, I hate to keep making excuses for the guy. And yeah, I'm a massive homer. So, like, you know, tell me to shut up if I'm just barking up the wrong tree here. But, you know, if, if I went to work and came home and I was like, I don't think the company is being run particularly well. Maybe it's because my boss is 25. Someone might say, well, fucking oath. Of course, that's why. You know, he's 25. He's the leader on the team. He's a 25-year-old man. Like, he had a, obviously, we're holding him to different expectations because of, you know, his salary and how long he's been in the year. And he's, like, technically a veteran. But I, I, have, to think, I have to think that you have to attribute some of these glaring issues to his uh, relative immaturity. Sure. But what's frustrating is I think he's, like, at, at more talented than some of these other guys that are, you know, elite scorers. So, I looked up, like, Booker. And SGA, they're all moving faster than him. And when you watch it, it the it, the eye test kind of matches up. And like, I agree that they, like he's not a, a finished product. Booker's a year older, but he, he, he Tatum's a year older than SGA, and Ant's a couple years older. Um, I just think that it's 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 fallen short of my expectations because I thought that we would see more of like an approach change, and it's mostly been the same. And like these these waxing and waning of effort. And this is, again, he's freaking averaging like 27, 9, and 4 on like 61% true shooting. So, like, yeah. and- Which key, is like all NBA level. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's going he's, 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 he's to coast his way to second team all NBA. 
Uh, must be nice. Yeah. Uh, now, look, we're yeah. running crazy long here. So before we get to the Knicks yeah. game, which we'll do very quickly before wrapping up, anything else that's fallen short player-wise of your expectations, Spoonie? I have one. Okay. Not my expectations. People's expectations. I try to warn you all. <laughs> Great guy. O'Shea Brissett is not good at basketball. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's just not. I tried to warn everybody. <laughs> that's fair. all. That's fair. fair. Yeah. I'll also add, where the fuck is Lamar Stevens? Like, I have my expectations yeah, are yeah, that we wouldn't have seen him more. Um, but I digress. Yeah. All right. Let's end on this. The Celtics, they play the Knicks in TE Garden tomorrow night. And Chris Stapps Porzingis, the Latvian, not the Latvian laser. What's that nickname for him again? The, the Latvian, Bear Slayer. The Bear Slayer. Slayer. The Bear Slayer. Oh, He's back, baby. The Bear Slayer. He's probable to be back. <laughs> probable to return. The Knicks, they're four and two in their last six. They've got the sixth ranked offense in the past two weeks and the 16th best defense. The Celtics are two and oh on them this year. But Julius Randle has been better and a lot more aggressive recently. Guys, what do you think? Are the Celtics, is this a runaway win for the Celtics? <laughs> <laughs> KP's returning. Um, I think. The, I think the real question is, how do you feel about bringing KP back when they have like a rest off the back of this? I saw DJ Daniel in the chat here. Um, yeah, here we go, right on cue. Um, with this extra rest, you know, you could have just rested him one more time, and all of a sudden you get three or four more days. I'm. I don't think that they would play him unless he was absolutely ready. I just. I think that they. He, I think he was ready to go for the Pacers game, mm-hmm. and like, yep. if you play him now or the next game, he's going to basically be at 100% regardless. So um, I think it's fine. My only concern is I would sit him for every Knicks game that's in TD Garden because Julius Randle just scares me with the way he plays yeah, basketball dude, he's a how aggressive and... Yeah, he's <laughs> well, insane. Like, Well, he, go he, ahead. he hurt Porzingis last time. with um, That was yeah. the reason he missed the second Philly game was because Julius Randle gave him a bone bruise and he missed the, the one game there. But... um. It's a good point. And thought about the Julius Randle effect. I reckon just rest Randle. Come on, it's time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I will say I feel like we're due for like a shooting fifty percent from three games. So Agreed. that's my that is my one Please. prediction about this just game. I think it's game. a blowout. Come on. I know. God, <laughs> that's not like the Wizards or the Pacers without Halliburton. Right. That would be nice. Yeah. I mean, we we talked about water <laughs> yes. finding its level regression to the mean. I suppose it's progression to the mean as far as our, our three point mm. pursuit uh, percentage coming back up as Spoonie hypnotizes me through the, the camera there. Um, all right. Let's leave it there. Go Celtics. Uh, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. Please hit that like button, subscribe and help us navigate the algorithm. We'll be back early next week. Spoonie, Jake, love your work guys. Until next time. Go Celtics. <laughs> <laughs>